turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. It is Thursday night in a, in a rainy, cold, rough New York City. If you're out there on the road driving, I am uh, I am sorry for you because this is just not fun to drive in this weather. Um, I am here. I'm not alone. I am not alone. I am here with Joni Pelzer. Say hello, Joni. Am I close enough to the mic? I don't know. You're probably not loud enough. No, you're Joe. definitely I'm not. Always, I'm always loud enough, but am I close enough to the mic? Thank you, Sambolino. Sambolino, did I nail that the, the, the song for her or what, brother? Oh, absolutely. It, it's you know, so but You know, I, and I know it's a little self-inflicted, but you need a song. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, is like I should have to like play this song, but we have to figure out a song, Joe. He can't really. He can't declare his own song. No, he can't. Definitely right. not. So, and then we have to have some ability to be able to play it when he doesn't. I know. don't know how we're gonna uh, sneak Alex in there. Put together um, a brain trust and get back to me. All right. So <laughs> there's a lot going on in the world of the law today, um, and that, in your world. I mean, you've yes. been like on like a ping pong ball all day. Yeah, I've been. Yeah, and it's been really a lot of fun running around the city with this with this weather. Um, so the two cases that are popping right now uh, is that Alec Baldwin um, facing these charges over the Rust shooting, uh, and we'll talk about that in a little while, but. Actually, I'm going to be talking about that on, on Fox 5 with Rosanna Scotto tomorrow morning. Somewhere. Can I come? No. Um, <laughs> I live right there. It's okay, John. It's all right. Um, somewhere in the, the late 8 o'clock hour. So if you're up, up tomorrow and you're not listening to Piscopo in the morning, you can have Piscopo on and you can watch uh, Rosanna. We'll be talking about Rust, the movie Rust, and Alex, Alec Baldwin and that poor, poor, poor uh, cin- cinematographer, Miss Hutchins, who was killed at tragic day. Um, but I want to touch on another story that's breaking right now. Uh, it's a little more New York centric. And um, well, let me just tell you who we have coming on the show. We have um, Joan. Who's coming on the show? Well, Since, someone I mean, that's already you, you in the room with more, us. You should do more. No, that that's second. Who's coming on you first? You want to know first, Robert Stranieri. Did I pronounce that yes, with enough Rob of Stranieri. an Italian, yes. Joni Italian accent? Yes. Pretty interesting guy. I had a nice conversation with him today, and he's pre, referred little from- pre-record with him? Exactly. Mm. Like, do these pre-records. I mm. learned. I learned. But he uh, he knows our friend Frank from Staten Island, and ah. uh, he's a good friend of his since this guy Frankie was in high school. I mean, who, who doesn't know Who Frankie doesn't know Frankie right? from Staten Island? But this man has quite the storied career, and he's going to come talk to us about what's going on with Hochul and Adams and a little bit of disrespect from the legislature. All right. And then, and then the state. because he got such rave reviews yesterday and his <laughs> passionate, his passionate defense and then an absolute disappointment. And that's the sweetest way I could put it. Uh, his defense of Judge LaSalle and his disappointment with his own Democratic Party, of which he was a major leader. Uh, in his heyday, uh, Judge John Leventhal will come John back. John M. Leventhal. Uh, he's going to have a little cup of coffee between now and then because, you know, at this point, he, he's one of these guys gets up at four in the morning so that by like six o'clock at night, he's he's hitting the wall. But he's actually not going to talk about uh, the law right now, although he, he, it's always intertwined with his thoughts. We're going to talk a little bit about nursing and he'll tell you why he is so uh, passionate about nurses and their salaries and how they are treated. School um, nurses in school, particular. In school nurses yeah. in particular. Um, I just want to uh, I want to talk on a New York story, though. One of 
uh, Mayor de Blasio's fiercest, fiercest critics, uh, most vocal critics, um, was the head, the president of the NYPD's Sergeant Benevolence Association, Ed Mullins. And Ed Mullins, um, who, you know, I've met several times, a very nice man, uh, he was arrested last year. And he was arrested for um, allegedly, I'm not going to say I read the whole uh, indictment, but allegedly he took um, union members' dues to pay for hundreds of personal high-end meals as well as clothing, jewelry, home appl- and home appliances. Um, so it's a big deal when someone who is such a prestigious member of the NYPD um pleads guilty. This is in federal court. This is in the Southern District of New York. So basically, in a nutshell, uh, the head of the Sergeant Benevolence Association is charged with stealing his union members' money. And although everyone is entitled to their constitutional rights of being presumed innocent, the headline that came out a little while ago is that uh, he will be pleading guilty to these charges. And um, I know all of the players. Um, he, his defense attorney is a spectacular lawyer, Tom Kniff, Thomas Kniff. You may remember Tom Kniff's name because he ran against Alvin Bragg for district attorney of Manhattan. He ran as a Republican, knowing that uh, the likelihood of a Republican succeeding uh, in a county race in Manhattan was not too, not too likely, but he's a very gifted lawyer. And... Um, Mr. Mullins, Sergeant Mullins, will be appearing uh, before and taking the plea before Judge John Codal. Judge Codal has been around, I believe he's a Clinton appointment, so he's been around a very long time. Uh, my experience with him both on and off the bench is uh, he's a very intelligent man. He's a very thorough man. He's a very, very uh, like nice and decent man. You know, some judges are not very nice to lawyers, and they're not very nice to many of the participants. Um, one of the judges in the state court who did not get appointed, uh, reappointed by the mayor, the committee, uh, the basically what the scuttlebutt that came out was it was not necessarily his judicial rulings, but it was his judicial temperament. Part of the role of a judge is to conduct him or her in such a way to show respect, um, to all the parties. I will tell you a new, a new, a newish trend in the criminal court is judges now, uh, when a case is called and you put your appearance on the record in front of the court reporters, tr- typically the prosecutor goes first and says, you know, Assistant District Attorney Joe Alexis for the Kings County DA's office, and then the um, the, pr- the defense attorney goes, you know, say Arthur Idala for John Doe, and the judge who says, "Good morning, Mr. Alexis. Good morning, Mr. Idala," and now they'll say to the John Doe defendant, good morning, Mr. Doe. When I was at ADA 30 years ago, that that didn't happen. But there has definitely been a trend, and it's an excellent trend, for judges to really keep in mind their their demeanor and their temperament on the bench because that gets passed along to all of us. Um, And even though it's an adversarial proceeding, um, it's interesting, in the criminal court, we proceed in a much more dignified manner and collegial manner than they do in civil proceedings. But we can talk about that later. But it is a big deal that um, that um, this this union head um, who was in charge of, I mean, we'll get the details tomorrow when he pleads, in charge of millions of dollars, um, is going to plead guilty mm-hmm. to stealing um, from his own members. And that's, the word unacceptable definitely does not sum it up. So um, I, I know he'll have great representation. And just so you understand, what happens in federal court, unlike state court, is Mr. Mullins will plead guilty and they'll, there'll be a guideline range for the judge to sentence him. So when he pleads guilty tomorrow, Sergeant Mullins will not know um, what his sentence is going to be. There will be a big range that the judge can sentence him to. And obviously, with all eyes on this case... Um, all other union heads. You know, when a judge in federal court sentences someone, there's very many factors that they need to take into consideration. And a few, two of the factors are actual deterrence. So I have to sentence this person in a way, uh, in a way to make sure that um, they don't do it again. 
But then there's something called general deterrence. And general deterrence is a, a lot of people are watching this case, and we need to put the word out there that if you do steal from your union, you are going to pay a significant price. In fact, when Anthony Weiner was sentenced, the judge said, I don't think you're going to do this again. So I don't need any specific deterrence for you. However, everyone's watching this case. There needs to be general deterrence. So therefore, she sent him to prison to send the message out there. You can bet your bottom dollar that Judge Codal will be sending uh, Ed Mullins, the head of the Sergeant Benevolence, or the former head of the Sergeant Benevolence Association, to prison. Um, Tomorrow we'll get an idea of what his guideline range is. And then we will determine what goes on. Yes, Joan, why don't you There speak? is a guideline. Uh, what is it? I've seen it in the news, and you, you've Talk dealt about with this it, before. Talk about Between it. 33 and 41 months for wire fraud. <clears throat> well, congratulations, Tom Kniff, because that's an absolutely spectacular plea. Spectacular. Um, I mean, I don't know how much money here they're talking about he stole, but knowing what I know about the federal system, that is, a, and Judge Codal is not, he's a very decent man. So, um I think Judge, I think Tom Kniff will probably have a good outcome. We are going to come back with Bob Stranieri, and we're going to talk about the State of the Union of State Government. Don't go anywhere. Now is the time to make sure you're managing stress and getting that energy back. Invite Health is here to help. This week, they're zeroing in on promoting energy, focus, and attention with powerful, clinically studied nutrients. And they're making this even easier for you by offering you a limited-time offer. Buy one of their select heart health supplements and get 40% off retail. Double up, buy two, and get free shipping. Call them now at 800-673-2345 to save on select energy and brain health products. Again, that's 800-673-2345. 800-673-2345. One more time, 800-673-2345. Tired of feeling wired and tired? Support your energy, focus, and attention today. Invite health. Get healthy. Stay healthy. 800-673-2345. So, remember when you were in your teens and thought you were invincible? Well, the same rationale applies to adults, too. When we're healthy, we think we don't need a power of attorney or a healthcare proxy. We think we all oh, will worry about that when we're older and we become sick. You know what, folks? Nothing can be further from the truth. The fact is, if something happens, you might not be able to designate a power of attorney or a healthcare proxy. What happens then? Then the state or the courts may have to make those choices for you. Is that what you really want? Of course not. It's essential to create a power of attorney and a healthcare proxy as soon as you can when you're healthy. And how do you get that done? Come on, you know how you get that done. You call Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law. You know why? They've been doing it for 40 years. They know this stuff inside and out. They will help you make a plan that protects you best. You'll designate who you want to make decisions for you. So for a free in-person initial consultation, with a lawyer, call Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins. Suffering an injury in an accident can be a life-changing experience. Whether you've been involved in a car accident, a construction site accident, a slip and fall, or injured because of someone else's negligence, we can help. Our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you are owed. We are always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. If you have been injured because of someone else's negligence, you have legal rights and may be entitled to significant money to compensate you for your pain and suffering. Hiring the right attorney is important. The combined experience of the lawyers at Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins will be able to lead you through the personal injury lawsuit process and aggressively fight for the best result. If you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call 212-486-0011, 212-486-0011, or visit us at idalalaw.com. Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins, fighting for justice, fighting for you.
out here, Cymbalino. This is an artist named Youngblood, and I figured you'd like it because it's using a very popular beat from The Cure. All right, thank you. Thank you very much, Matt Sambolin, behind the turntable and the mixes. Um, so yesterday's show, uh, I, I will tell you, I got rave reviews uh, based on Judge John Leventhal's uh, basically passion uh, and disappointment uh, regarding the process of selecting uh, the new chief judge, and in particular what happened yesterday at the hearing with uh, Judge LaSalle, who was turned down by the small committee that's in charge of then passing along to the entire legislature. And I was wondering, like, who who could we talk to who really could go deep into the weeds on how this whole process works? So, so as a Bay Ridge, Brooklyn boy, you know, I've been around the block a few times, and we found someone who has a storied political career. That's right, storied political career. Most recently, the legislative council to the Assembly Republican Conference but he served 24 years in the New York State Assembly, representing Staten Island, hence the Bay Ridge reference, and was the Republican floor leader. He is the former counsel to New York State Senator John J. Markey, who was the longest-serving legislator in the country. Mr. Stranieri, who is our guest, is also a former intern to U.S. Senator Jacob Javits and the former administrative law judge of New York City, among other titles that he holds, but Bob Stranieri, welcome to the Arthur Idala Power Hour. I appreciate you finding the time for us. Thank you, Arthur. We miss seeing you on television. <laughs> oh, listen, tune into channel tune into Channel Five tomorrow. I'm looking at Rosanna Scotto and I uh, uh, bantering back and forth. So, Bob, you know, yesterday uh, my my office has been involved in supporting Judge LaSalle, and uh, yesterday's hearing. From the beginning, from the the introduction by the the leader Hoyleman, it was obvious that they were there just to vote no against the guy. So you were there for twenty four years in the, your capacity of being an elected official. Fill the fill the listeners in a little bit about that process and how that whole thing works. And most importantly, are there any next steps? Is there any uh, relief that the governor can get because she has to be extremely embarrassed by what took place yesterday? Well, Arthur, we ought to dial this back, and I think you and I can remember when we elected the judges to the Court of Appeals, and uh, that was changed uh, in the latter years of uh, Governor Rockefeller because there was a lot of criticism on how much money was spent uh, electing uh, Bridell, who was a Republican, and then Jacob Fuchsberg, who was a very active uh, trial lawyer, who uh, spent a fortune to get himself elected to the court. So we went to the process of Senate confirmation with an amendment to the Constitution and the creation of a 12-member commission. And uh, that commission is charged with submitting seven names uh, to the governor of uh, candidates who meet a, a series of qualifications. And this system has generally worked well for a long period of time under both uh, Democratic governors and under Governor George Pataki, who was a Republican. So we, I think what we are witnessing in the first instance is the utter weakness uh, and powerlessness of our governor, uh, Governor Hochul, in dealing with an overwhelmingly Democratic Senate and being unable to get at least at the committee level, confirmation of a well-qualified justice to serve on the court. I mean, if you look at the seven names that were submitted uh, to to the Senate, clearly uh, he's, he's the most qualified candidate uh, based on uh, temperament, based on experience, and, um, you know, based on uh, his own resume. So, Assemblyman Stranieri, hindsight being 2020, uh, what should the governor have done different now now that we know what she knows and, and how things have played out? Well, I think she probably should have made a deal before she signed off on the pay raise for all the legislators a couple of weeks ago to make clear she wouldn't suffer an embarrassment, which we have never seen in uh, in, in the process of selecting uh, members for the court. Well, flesh I mean, that out. Let, let the listeners know what, what you mean when you say that, that, that 
It's an embarrassment. We have never, never seen a, a governor more helpless and powerless. Now, if we were dealing with a divided uh, governor and a state senate of two different parties, which is clearly not the case here, you might see a little negotiation and bantering, uh, and each side would want to extract something for going forward. But here we have the, the Republicans, who are, are a small minority now, the state senate, willing to support a well-qualified nominee. Uh, and, and here we have the Democrats, who seem to have forgotten that the judiciary is not an extension of a legislative branch of government. It is supposed to be independent. We're supposed to have men and women who will apply the law and will consider cases and, and decide things on the law and not their own pre, uh, predisposition politically or anything else. The 12-member the commission is equally divided uh, between Republicans and Democrats. The governor can only appoint two from the same uh, uh, political party, as can the, the chief justice to serve on the commission, and then both the majority and the minority leadership in the legislature each have appointments. So we have a very impartial commission which reviews the background and qualification for candidates and then submits a list of seven to the governor. And from that seven, the governor makes a selection. And I believe Governor Hochul made the right selection. And I think this is a position that Democrats from all over the state are in support of. The so, new minority leader in the, in the U.S. Congress is on board. I, uh, I know a, a former Judge Leventhal, who was on your show yesterday, was an informant. Judge, Judge Lippman, yeah. So we're talking yeah, I mean, to Assemblyman, we're talking to Assemblyman, former Assemblyman Bob Stranieri. Um, does, does the governor have any options now or, or yeah. is it over? Yes, I think the governor has the option because the state constitution talks about Senate uh, you know, uh, approval process. It doesn't talk about a committee. Look, this used to go on all the time. If there was a bill that, that the speaker in the assembly was concerned could get out that he didn't like, he just changed the members of the committee <laughs> to kill the bill. Or you could kill it in the rules committee, which is the last traffic cop and also controlled by uh, the speaker. I think I was on the rules committee. I think in 24 years we met once <laughs> on a bill because the speaker can always do what he wants in the assembly. And uh, in the Senate, the majority leader exercises the same power. But the Constitution doesn't talk about a committee. It talks about a vote in the Senate. And as we saw, there were two Democrats who did vote to confirm, and the third voted to at least send it to the floor. So there is an opportunity here if the governor can sit down and talk sense uh, to, to uh, some of the members of the majority conference uh, to, to allow a vote to take place. And I think a vote should take place here. And, now, if, uh, let's say she fails. Can, is this the kind of case that could go to the court? Can, can she take legal well, I, action? I think, if, I, I think if, if they refuse to send the nomination to the floor, you could bring a case. You know, this is not unlike my secession lawsuit when we were trying to get the, uh, the bill to be considered by the legislature to grant uh, Staten Island its independence from the city of New York. Silva killed the bill with a home rule message, and I took the fight all the way to the Court of Appeals over a period of years. So you can challenge um, rulings by the legislative leadership where votes are based on in-house rules and not the uh, Constitution or the statutes of the state. Since we haven't done this before, this might be a case of the first impression, but clearly the Constitution talks about Senate confirmation. To me, and I think to most of, of people, that, that would mean an up or down vote. And they shouldn't be afraid of an up or down vote. Uh, I realize it would be, it's going to be difficult, perhaps, for people to challenge the majority leader in the Senate. But again, a, a strong governor would find a way. Listen, Nelson Rockefeller always found a way <laughs> to get things done. Uh, Arthur, you may recall after the 64 election, the Democrats controlled both houses, but they couldn't get their leaders elected for five weeks until Rocky stepped in and cut a deal so that the Travia became speaker and Zaretsky became the majority now, leader. Now you're dangerous. I told everybody you were a teenager there. Uh, so, so we got two minutes left. I want to ask you a question. What, 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 what's your take on Mayor Adams' relationship with Albany these days? 
I'm disappointed because the mayor says the right thing, and I know he wants to do the right thing, particularly on criminal justice reform, and yet he's being stonewalled and ignored by the Democratic leadership in both houses. So this is very disappointing, I think, to the people in this city that the mayor can't get his own party leadership to act on the kind of legislation that most people want to see go forward. Again, this is not a situation where the mayors of one party, I mean, historically, the the mayor of New York always had a problem with with the governor, even if they're in the same party. But we have never seen anything like this with a Democratic mayor dealing with the overwhelmingly uh, Democratic leadership in both the Assembly and the Senate. And I think the people of New York are behind the mayor in trying to get some changes made in our criminal law. And it just shows uh, they're just turning a deaf ear. And I can't believe that he could be this unpersuasive, which is disappointing to me. There you have it, folks. Robert A. Stranieri, 24 years in the New York State Assembly as a Republican representing the great borough of Staten Island. I will tell you, I'm I'm not disappointed that you lost the uh, secession case. I love Staten Island. I want it to be part of the five boroughs. Uh, okay. Thank you so much for joining thank us today. You, your uh, your okay. insight and your knowledge is, uh, is second to none. So uh, we'll be calling upon you again. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Folks, we're going to be right back with Judge Leventhal, who will be passionate in his defense of nurses and how they get paid, especially the school nurses. Don't go away. Hi, Kevin McCullough. So thrilled to be opening Legal Night tonight on Radio Night Live with our brand new sponsor, Plaza College and the Court Reporting Program. We will talk to the provost. We will cover the biggest case that just got announced today. And, of course, have that Esquire etiquette. That's tonight at 7. Ready to start a business in New Jersey? The state's New Jersey Business Action Center is here to guide you through the process. Call us at 1-800-JERSEY-7. That's 1-800-JERSEY-7. This message sponsored by the New Jersey Business Action Center, the New Jersey Broadcasters Association, and this station. Eye on Real Estate, New York's longest-running show on real estate, answers everyone's questions. From California to across the Atlantic in London. It's actually Gateshead, a little bit away from London. I've been a huge fan of yours for many a year. Dottie Herman and her expert team will help you through the ins and outs of property ownership. We have great listeners, a great audience, and a great team of professionals. Call 866-970-9622 with your question Saturday morning at 10 on AM 970, The Answer. I've been talking about the court reporting program at Plaza College nonstop. You know why? Because court reporters are such an essential part of the world I live in, the legal field. Plaza College has been around since 1916. And not only do they have the school of court reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new school, the School of Nursing, which we're going to be talking about very shortly The accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. Students complete their curriculum in the new Center for Healthcare Simulation on Plaza's campus and within the best hospital systems in New York City. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It's absolutely incredible. If you want additional information regarding the programs I just mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or their School of Allied Health, just visit their website at plazacollege.edu. That's P-L-A-Z-A college.edu. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. So we are all started up here on a Thursday night. I'm going to be uh, splitting right after the show to go to the New York State Criminal Defense Lawyers Association dinner honoring uh, a lawyer by the name of Bobby Sternheim. She tried the Ghislaine Maxwell case, uh, which we're working on the appeal as we speak. And also Judge Matt Demick, who uh, is the um, administrative judge for Kings County for criminal matters and is a good friend of this law firm and and even my family. I believe his son, like, took my sister to the prom 30-some-odd years ago. But it'll be a a fun night tonight of uh, 
I call it the grip and grip. Yeah, hey, you doing? Oh, good. Happy New Year. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, that's good. Good. Oh, yeah, good. Everything. Okay, next. Boom. And then you go to the next person. You do the grip and the grin, the grip and the grin. But uh, a guy who is not grip grinning. And uh, last week we we uh, spoke about the nurses' strike. We spoke to the mayor, Mayor Adams, about the nurses' strike, which after two days was was settled. But Judge Leventhal said, you know, I really want to talk about this, and this is a, a, a topic that I'm passionate about, so can I have the microphone? So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the Honorable John Leventhal. Thank you, Arthur. And I'm talking about not only nurses. I'm, I'm talking about children. Okay. And the children in the schools need school nurses. So let me tell you what the problem is, Arthur. <clears throat> There's vacancies of nurses in the public schools. There's 418 vacancies of public health nurses in the Department of Health, and there are 198, I'm sorry, there's 198 uh, nurses in the Department of Education and DOE um, nurses for a total of 696 vacancies. Now, the there's one and a half times the vacancies with Department of Health nurses. And you know why, Arthur? Ask me why. Tell, tell me why. Tell me, tell me why, and, and tell me what all of that means. There's a lot of numbers you're throwing at people who are driving their cars right now. So okay. tell me. <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you why, Arthur. There's a huge pay and benefit disparity between two nursing groups who serve the population of our children, Department of Health nurse vacancies and, and also Board of Ed nurses. Now, the Board of Ed nurses work in the schools from 8 to 3. They're annualized. They get paid for the whole year. The Department of Health nurses are hourly employees, and they have to work 15, 15 months to get one year's credit because they're hourly employees. And not only that, they work from 8 to 4. And, and what's even more egregious... Okay, hold on. Hold on. Okay, because... You know, you know about all this stuff, and this is what you live. You got to back up for me. What nurses, the nurses who work for the Department of Health, where do they actually physically work? In the schools. Okay. And who differentiates? You're going to be a Department of Health nurse who works in the school, and you're going to be a DOE employee who works. Two in the unions. School. The UFT works, uh, does the Department of Education, and DC 37 uh, handles the de Department of Health nurses. And it's almost arbitrary. There's a waiting list for the Department of Health nurses to do the same job and work an hour less and, and get a yearly salary as opposed to <clears throat> 15 months pension credit. I thought you said the Department of Health nurses are the ones who are on the hourly. That's correct. And they're waiting to get on the Department of Education. Oh, that's the waiting list. Okay. Right. Judge, you are not clear. I love it because usually, you know, he used to be the judge I appeared before, and I was the one messing things up. Now uh, now he's appearing before me somewhere, and, and, and he's messing things up. So just so we're clear, if you're a nurse, Judge Leventhal, who do you want to work for? The Department of Education, correct? Correct. That's the way to go. And they You're may basically off July and August, correct? And both have off July and August, but... But they make $15,000 less. The Department of Health nurses make $15,000 less. Annually. Annually. And they have to work three months or put in three months more time to for get. For pension credit. For pension credit. Because they're hourly. You following this? Everyone in their car right now okay. sitting in this rainy bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic on a Thursday night on AM night? Seven of the answer? I hope so. Go ahead, Judge Levin. So, so for one year, for one year, a Department of Health nurses are considered part-time, and it takes them 15 months or more to reach a year in the pension right, system. Right, we got that part. Or 1,827 hours versus 1,213 hours. Okay. Okay. So so tell me what we're going to do. What, for the people who are listening, what, what goal do we want to achieve? What, how do we need to fix this issue? Well, one of, the, one of the things that we have to do is give them pay parity. Okay. It makes no sense. So who do we lobby hypothetically? The mayor, get, get the mayor, and the and and the DC thirty seven. But I have to tell you something. What's reason why it's even more egregious? We have a public health crisis, right? What were they? Since nine eleven, you had Ebola, anthrax, H one N one, Hurricane Sandy, COVID in 
monkey pox. What about chicken pox? No more? No. Who handles that? The nurses. The Department of Health nurses. They leave the schools and they handle all those crises. The Board of Ed nurses don't do that. So these Wait, nurses- wait, hold on. Back up, back up, back up. What do you mean the Department of Health, the Department of Ed crisis? For example, during COVID, my wife, who's the Department of Oh, of you buried the lead. Oh, oh, now we know where you're coming from. Well, so your wife. That's why I know this. I know, but you, you listen, you she, have to be honest. You have to be transparent. She worked the, the COVID hotline because she okay. wasn't in the school. She had to work the COVID hotline. People were going to pods to give v- vaccinations for COVID. Department of Health nurses have to go out. Go the, Board of Ed, the Board of Ed nurses don't have to do that. So if there's a health crisis, the Department of Health nurses are the first line. So I don't want to answer your question you don't know the answer to, but in a school, so uh, grammar school in Brooklyn, PS 185, I can even remember where, the, that's where I went. That's where the, I, the nurse's office is in there. So what happens if in that school, there's only one nurse and it's a Department of Education nurse? There might be not even a Department of Education or a Department of Health nurse. They have contract nurses serving 60% of the schools who aren't even trained well. And this is terrible. And I want you to know, during COVID, you know what the, ner- the, the contract nurses were getting? 90 to $110 an hour because they couldn't get nurses at the salaries they're paying for the Department of Health nurses. And, and there's going to be more vacancies unless they bring these salaries up. And some of these nurses are very experienced. Really worked in hospitals for years. Okay, so uh, the, my little point of confusion is this. If there's a school that has a Department of Education nurse, so they're the ones with the better contract, they're the ones that make more money in, in a shorter amount of Correct. time, et cetera, et cetera, and a kid comes down with with some disease or something, are you telling me that nurse doesn't have to treat that kid? Oh, no, they treat the kid. I'm just talking about if there's something outside the schools, the Department of Health nurses are called upon to deal with that covid anthrax um so who's got monkeypox okay so who so mm. which which union needs to step up and well, help the department of health nurses well the city has to step up and make parity no matter who the union is but dc 37 is the one who represents the, health, the, the department of health nurses. nurses but but the city has to step up and make parity and you tell me the uft represents the department of education nurses that's right even though they're not teachers that's right that's very interesting. And they probably represent the paraprofessionals as well. But uh, we have me, 60 seconds. Okay. Is that enough time or do I need more well, time? Let me just tell you this. Matt, no, I may need another minute because, you know, my, my buddy here likes to make sure everyone's got all the facts. So go ahead, Judge Levin. There's also a, a diabetes lawsuit that, that's pending on the American Diabetes Association Disability Act over four years ago. So this will further complicate nurse uh, recruitment and retention as there will be a demand for two nurses in many elementary schools to take care of type 1 children in the least restrictive environment. So this is going to be a mess unless we get nurses, pay them the proper salaries, because now we don't even have nurses in every school. And these contract nurses are not. What are these contract nurses? So it's a nurse who maybe does an overnight an agency, shift. An agency, an agency hires them, pays them an hourly rate. They're not trained to handle all emergencies because they have to go through a, a rigorous training to work in the schools, right. I'm assuming. Right. And, and it, they receive it, an inadequate two-hour virtual training. This doesn't include training for the computerized medical records. And this is dangerous and threatens the delivery of quality care to New York City school-aged children. It's a terrible situation. We have to rectify it. This is not about just nurses. This is about the children. It's about the children. Uh, listen, now you sound like Dominic Emmerichia Jr. It's all about the children. Well, folks, if uh, if you didn't understand it before, you understand it now that there are nurses who we just look at as nurses. We don't know their their employment background. There are nurses who are doing the exact same job, but some of them and in the schools, some of them work for the Department of Education, and some of them work for the Department of Health. Those who work for the Department of Education are in a much better financial system than the one those who work in the Department of that Health. That includes the supervisors too are getting killed. They're, they're losing thirty thousand dollars a year. So the next time the mayor's up here having a libation, you want to talk to him about Absolutely. this? Absolutely. All right. Only here on the Idola Power we go from Judge Leventhal lamenting about the, who's going to be the chief judge of, of the Court of Appeals, the highest court in the state of New York, and you switch gears, and now we're talking about nurses Me- in our schools. Mention my article in the Law Journal tomorrow. And tomorrow there will be an article in the New York Law Journal uh, penned by Judge Leventhal. Well, I wrote it, but I, I let him put his name <laughs> on it, uh, lamenting uh, the, the process that took place 
We are going to come back. We're going to have a little bit of fun with some sports, some birthdays, some more news of the day. Don't go anywhere. we got to talk about Alec Baldwin and Rust. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. It's Dr. Lederman about innovative cancer treatment options often hidden elsewhere. Dr. Lederman discusses all options, what every doctor should do. Patients are amazed at Dr. Lederman's first-in-America radio surgery hidden options. Non-invasive, outpatient, highly successful treatment where we attack the cancer. I'm Dr. Lederman for your loved one with cancer treatment options that may have been hidden from you when most needed. For newer recurrent cancers, most anywhere in the body, even if prior chemo, surgery, or radiation didn't work or isn't wanted, call Dr. Lederman. Two and two choices, two and two choices for appointment and free cancer treatment booklet DVD. 1384 Broadway at 38th. Most insurances, Medicare, Medicaid accepted. Learn about hidden cancer treatment options. Hidden no more with Dr. Lederman. Two and two choices, two and two choices. I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel. Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, presto, you're starting to speak another language, like magic. I love that Babbel's lessons aren't just robots talking. They're voiced by native speakers, so you get the pronunciation just right. If you want to learn a language, there's no faster, easier, better way than Babbel. 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 Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Babbel.com. Do you want to send your child to a Christian school but are overwhelmed by the cost? Then AM970 The Answer's discount tuition program may be right for you. The discount tuition program is a way for parents to send their children to a quality Christian school at half the cost of the annual tuition. We've partnered up with some of the leading schools in the New York, New Jersey metro area to help parents to reduce the costs and still have their children receive a quality, faith-based education. Here are just a few of the participating schools. Hawthorne Christian Academy, International Christian School, Carney Christian Academy. You can see the full list of participating schools at am970theanswer.com. AM970 The Answer is also offering each school the opportunity to promote their school with a full radio advertising campaign. For more information on how you can send your children to a Christian school at half the cost of the annual tuition or how you can get your school enrolled in the program, go to am970theanswer.com or call 212-857-9630. That's 212-857-9630. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Light the fire. You place the flowers in the vase that you bought today. Well, you know, Matt, I want to compliment you because... uh, after we talked about the nurses, you played uh, Just Like a Pill from Pink, which is a song I love. But now, and that was very topical, thank you, but now we're playing a really sad song. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful song. Keep it going, like San Bellino. We're doing a little tribute here. Tell them why you're playing this song, San Bellino. So it was reported today, uh, very sad news, that we just lost David Crosby today, dead at the age of 81. Apparently he was sick for a long time, but he did pass away. And as you know, singer, songwriter, and guitarist, and member of the Birds, and of course Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young for a while. And young, uh, yes. Uh, that's where Neil Young, uh, you know, started off. Yeah, he was a great musician, and uh, 
Uh, you know, it's these guys are getting older, man, and it's you know they're starting to drop. They're starting to drop. Um, speaking of great people, today would have been um, Gene Stapleton's birthday. Now, those of you who don't know who Gene Stapleton, I mean. She was an outstanding actress, but everybody knows who she is from her role as Edith Bunker. And sometimes when Joni starts calling my name around here, chasing me around, it's a little Edith Bunker-esque, right? It's a little... Am I really? Yeah, well, Archie! Arthur! Yeah. Arthur! Right, right. Archie, Arthur. Oh, my, that's, this is my favorite sitcom, because you could put this on today... And the political jokes and everything they say today, they're hysterical. They're not funny, they're hysterical. My early recollection of All in the Family is being in our, ho- our the kitchen in our home where we had a little TV and my dad would be watching this and he would literally be slamming the table. Now I'm five, six, seven, eight years old. I don't get any of these jokes. And he's just slamming the table, cracking up. And my mother, who does not have a sense of humor, that, that that just she went on the line like three times for talking and asking question. And when God was giving her putting her together, she missed the line for the sense of humor part. And uh, uh, she, she's like, "Why do you hit the table for?" But I now understand why my father was slamming on the table so hard. <laughs> now I'm get a little personal. If you go back and look at pictures of my dad from the 70s, he looks a little bit like Mike Stivick, uh, who, who was, I mean, they just, he had that same mustache and that same 70s hair. Um, not meatball, meat the head. Only, only, only Joni, right? Meatball. Um, so real quick, let's just, just, just wrap up a little bit of lost stuff. Um, Alec Baldwin, it looks like he's going to be charged with a crime um, for uh, that that tragic woman, uh, the tragedy of the cinematographer being um, shot uh, on the set of the movie Rust. Now, I will tell you this. The uh, prosecutor on the case, the DA on the case, she has already made a statement saying, like, nobody's above the law. And... Um, that's how she started her, her statement. And, you know, I, I think, look, this is New Mexico. I'm not trying to be a New York elitist, but this is the biggest case to come out of New Mexico since, you know, I don't know, Breaking Bad. Uh, I think, didn't, Sam Bellino, you saw Breaking Bad? Yes, it was filmed in, in New Mexico. Right. And so well, I was supposed to, take, I don't know if it was filmed in New Mexico, but it's supposed to take place in New Mexico. Um, so this is the biggest case that have came out, came out of there. And, uh, you know, oh, nobody is above the law and justice has to be handed down. The indictment has not been unsealed. We don't know the underlying facts, but he uh, is being, it looks like he's going to be charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter um, for uh, Helena Hutchins. She was the cinematographer for her tragic death. Uh, and it's basically. A reasonable person should have known that their actions were going to cause this result. And he's charged with two counts, and one of them has a heightened uh, sentencing. So the basic charge, the most you could do in jail is 18 months. So Alec Baldwin doesn't want to do 18 minutes in jail, let alone 18 months. But then there's an enhancement when a gun is used that has a mandatory minimum of five years, but I believe in that jurisdiction, the judge can run over that. So it's not, t- it's not really a mandatory minimum. Um, in federal court, when there's a mandatory minimum, that means if the judge is sentencing his own child, he or she would have to sentence that child to the mandatory minimum. Five years, 10 years, or 15 years are typically the denominations there. They typically occur to apply to sex crimes, although there are drug and gun aspects of that as well, in federal court. We are not in federal court. We are in state court, New Mexico state court. And uh, when the facts come out, they have to support the finding that anyone in that position. So all kidding aside, if Matt Sambolin was an actor on that set and he was handed a gun uh, by a professional who that's their job is to make sure that the gun is safe. And then he fires the gun during his performance, his appropriate role. 
and that gun discharges a live bullet, um, Matt should have, the, the circumstances that need to come out of this indictment is Matt should have known that there was a live bullet in there or that there could have been a live bullet in there. You know, I was talking to someone at lunchtime, maybe because he's a producer on the film as well, Alec Baldwin is, so he's also responsible for hiring the people who are in charge of safety, and maybe he he didn't spend the money he should have spent on getting the best people to do that, but that's that's typically not something that factors in. I mean, if someone has the qualification of being the prop specialist and has the qualification of, of, of being making sure that that's a quote-unquote cold weapon, um, he should be able to rely on that. Now, someone brought up the fact that I believe it was her first, because she's getting charged as well, by the way. Um, it's not just Alec Baldwin. It's also the... Um, armorer. The armorer, right. Now, someone said, oh, it's the first time she ever did this, the armorer. You know, it's... it's if it's my, my first trial... It's still my first trial. I, 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 just because it's your first time um, doesn't mean it, you shouldn't be counted on, right? So Joe Hines shouldn't say, well, we can't have Arthur try this case. It's his first case. And it's, it's, it's not brain surgery to see, okay, is this a live bullet or not a live bullet? I mean, the question I have is, why are there any live bullets on the set? Period. Amen. Why is there a live bullet anywhere on the set? And how many levels of checks and balances are supposed to take place from when that gun gets to the set to when the box of bullets gets to the set? How many different people are supposed to look into it? So it remains to be seen what what the actual facts are to determine whether Alec Baldwin is really being a uh, paying the price of a form of selective prosecution. Go back to my point, just using him as an example. The exact same thing happened, and it was an extra. The extra was called Matt Sambola. Nobody knew him. He wasn't involved with all the controversy. He's not on Saturday Night Live imitating Donald Trump. Would Matt Sambolin did the same thing? Would he be charged, or would this wind up in some sort of civil litigation where um, the deceased Miss Hutchins' child gets millions of dollars um, based on her projected lifespan and the fact that she has to support this child uh, or, or would have supported this child. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, we have to see. And if you want to hear more me talking about this more, just tune in tomorrow morning on, to Channel 5. You know, keep Piscopo on in one ear and put on Channel 5 with the eyeball in the other ear. And I don't know, I got to wear, what color should I go with tomorrow, Joni? With, you know, with the t- shirt tie. A little gray a little and maybe gray. a little purple. Gray purple. She's your fashion consultant now, too? Gee. No, yeah. no. I mean, she's just putting her through the purple. ringer. Well, why not? No gray. Or, I know you. You're probably going to go with blue. I'm gonna go with a navy blue suit, and then we'll 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 mix and match. I got to do my hair; that's the big thing. Yeah, I, I Can't eat a lot of salt that. tonight. I'm going to this dinner tonight. Usually, it's rubber chicken. It's loaded with salt, so I'll probably just eschew that. And um, tomorrow night, you guys are gonna get a special treat because tomorrow it's gonna be the Joni Sambolino show with maybe a little Alex mixed in. Um, I have a little family obligation that I'm very very much looking forward to. I miss my children very much. I'm gonna be with all three: Luca, Arthur, and Ariana. So you guys have a great day with Joan tomorrow and a great weekend. See you on Monday. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC.